This is a podcast by The Straits Times. I'm Rachel Kelly and now it's time for our regular sports show Game of Two Halves every Monday at 5.15pm where we host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. With me we have sports correspondent Zazali Abdulaziz and sports reporter Nicole Chia. Hi guys. Hello. Hi Rachel. Both keeping well? Yeah, yeah we're doing okay. Great. Yeah. great. So Singapore sports is beginning to emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic with some of the country's Olympics and Paralympics bound athletes resuming training. But many eyes will also be on the Singapore Premier League with footballers, fans and officials keenly awaiting the green light for the competition to resume. But Nicole... First, let's discuss those who are already back in action. And you, sure. inter- <laughs> and you interviewed some of our top athletes who were fortunate enough to be able to begin training again last week. Can you tell us um, who some of these athletes were and possibly why they were the only ones allowed back so far? Yeah, so this group comprises about 30 athletes. You know, com- I mean, they, they consist of those who have already qualified or close to qualifying for the Olympics and Paralympics next mm. year. And I mean, you may be able to remember some of the athletes who have already qualified are Joseph Schooling and Kwa Chung Wen and also diver Jonathan Chan and Yip Pin Chiu, reigning Paralympic um, champion. So, I mean, the other sports, they come from 10 sports and these include swimming, obviously, diving, fencing, shooting, para-archery, badminton, table tennis, paracycling and gymnastics. Yeah, so I mean, um, government authorities have pointed out that, you know, Singapore needs to reopen slowly and carefully so that there isn't a second wave of COVID-19 infections. So in this sense, it sort of makes sense for Sport Singapore to, you know, in a way test the waters with with this smaller group of athletes first. And obviously those who are Olympics and Paralympics bound would be a natural choice, you know, because time is running out for them. Okay, not really running out. That that would not be the the Mm. right phrase, but... You know, they, they have a, a sort of deadline to, it, to to work towards because the Olympics and Paralympics are next year. I see what you did there as well. Test the waters and Joseph schooling. OK, I'm <laughs> sure there's some training envy for those that aren't able to get back in action yet. But maybe you can share with us how different were the training conditions for these athletes when they went back last week? What was their reaction to the safe distancing measures in place? Because, you know, coaches have got to wear masks. I mean, how is the communication flow? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, of course, there's the use of safe entry and, and temperature taking, you know, as is normal now and wherever you go these days, right? So, I mean, you mentioned the, the coaches wearing masks. I mean, the women's table tennis coach, Hao Andin, mentioned that it can be difficult to, mm. to convey instructions when you're wearing a mask and, you know, standing at a distance, but they made that work. And for swimming, there was also isolated entry, which means the swimmers had to take like a specific route from the entrance of the OCBC Aquatic Centre to the pool uh, so that, you know, they wouldn't cross paths with, with one another and they also had to train in alternate lanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of, of course, you know, when, when they don't see one another for, I don't know, it's about two months, they, they would be very happy to see one another again when training resumes. But, you know, Stefan Whitmer, the national swimming head coach, was telling me that because they couldn't hug, they greeted one another using elbow wiggles so not even <laughs> elbow taps but like just kind of wiggle of the elbow so yeah i mean there were a lot of precautions but for the most part the athletes and coaches are not complaining because they understand 
you know, why this is necessary now. And, you know, Whitmer, the national swimming head coach, you know, he has stressed so many times when I spoke to him that this comeback is not a sprint, but a marathon. And mm. for his experience, you know, personally, he told me how they, they had to prepare the swimming coaches to be prepared for, you know, different levels in the swimmers when they came back. Like, for example, you could have a swimmer who is excited and one who is scared and maybe the one who was excited suddenly realizes the last time they were in the pool, they were at this level of fitness and now they may not be at that certain level of fitness anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, as coaches, they had to be prepared to support that. And also, of course, there's things like how the exercises that these athletes were doing at home translate that to their specific sport. So, I mean, if we use swimming as an example again, you know, so because of because of the land training that swimmers were doing, which were pretty leg dominant, like running or cycling, that would help in, in building the leg strength for those yeah. like kicking sets but in terms of an equivalent like land exercise or land equipment that could have helped like simulate the sort of loading or stresses on maybe their shoulders that you know the same stress that they would have had from doing actual swimming Mm -hmm. that's an area where maybe they need to be a bit more careful when they resume training and you know maybe not push too hard on a particular exercise yet but I mean most of the athletes they are very happy and grateful to be back training and you know they, they feel that they are confident that they can shake off the rust over time as they train more. So they just need to be patient and take their time to get back into it slowly. We've reached the halfway point of the podcast. If you like the Straits Times game of two halves, you can listen to us live on Money FM 89.3 from 5.15pm every Monday. Or you can subscribe to hashtag game of two halves on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Back to the second half of our conversation with our Straits Times sports podcasters, Sazali and Nicole. Sazali, are you still there? Yes, I am. Great. And you had an, a lengthy article today discussing the possible scenarios that the football fraternity faces as it tries to get the SPL restarted. Can you tell us what were the main challenges? You know, where do we start? <laughs> There's a, a multitude of different challenges that, that the Football Association of Singapore and the Singapore Premier League face. A shortened calendar, so scheduling mm. is, is a big issue. The issue of um, having an invited team from Brunei having to fly in and out, uh, I think that's something they have to sort out. Obviously, safety protocols and testing, uh, this is something that they're deliberating with authorities. And, you know, the issue of whether fans could be allowed in games. So, Rachel, where, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, maybe you can tell us, I mean, because the issue with Brunei and how difficult is it for them to continue and the competition with border and quarantine measures still in place and, you know, not knowing when these will be lifted. I'm sure they've yeah. got lots of safety protocols as well that they've got to look out for. It seems like, you know, uh, I think nobody is actually saying this out loud yet as a mm. possibility, but it really seems like excommunicating them from the league and, and making them sit out for the rest of the season is on the table. I, I, I think it should be because uh, when you look at it realistically, they will have quarantines to serve when they come to Singapore and, mm. and when Singapore teams go over to Brunei and play. And it just does not make any sense uh, for that to take place. One possibility would be for Brunei to the PMM team to come to Singapore and play a, a stretch of maybe eight games or something like that. Mm. But that would obviously incur a lot of cost on their end, you know, to basically stay in Singapore for, for two months or, or three months. And it would also require huge reject of the, the fixtures that are already in place. So I think that is actually one of one of the, the biggest challenges. And of course, they're, they're champions. They're not just, you know, run-of-the-mill team. So mm. to suddenly make a decision that, you know, you have to make a huge sacrifice and 
or you have to sit out the league, I think that would be quite an extreme scenario. But I don't think it's off the table. I, I think it's something that they seriously have to consider. One thing that's also interesting is that Brunei has actually, over a month since they last reported a positive infection of COVID-19, which is excellent news. But at the same time, DPMM have still not trained at all. The, the country is easing up on, on their safe distancing and, and social distancing measures, but they're taking a very, very cautious approach and, and they do things very, very slowly. So, yeah, even though it's been a month since any new cases were reported, the, the, the team hasn't been out on the pitch. So, Sally, what are the options um, for FAS? Could we see a shortening of the season? Perhaps we could see, you know, resuming some of the games behind closed doors as well? Personally, if you ask me, in terms of uh, that second question you asked about fans, personally, I think it's a very real likelihood that we'll see the league for the, for the rest of the year played behind closed doors. I, I think the government has, has come out and, and said, you know, we have to do things the right way. We have to be very cautious with how we get back to so-called normal life. And I don't think allowing even a couple of hundred fans into the stadium, which is a very limited number, I think that's a risk that, that I think the authorities will not take. You know, I, I've spoken to some infectious disease experts and they actually believe that, you know, minimising the number of fans and, and possibly controlling how they enter and leave the stadiums could mean that we could see fans at SPL games for the rest of the year. But like I said, you know, personally, I don't think that would be a wise approach. As to your first question about scheduling, that's also a major issue along with, you know, what, what I mentioned, DPMM's uh, mm. Situation. I think scheduling will be something that FAS will be the FAS competitions department will be pouring over, and I'm sure they have been pouring over for the last few weeks because year-end Suzuki Cup, which is the ASEAN Football Championships, uh, slated for late November to to December. So already the the, the season is crunched up to just ten months, and with us only resuming in July, that that leaves only three or four months for the league to to complete twenty something games. So yeah, they might shorten the league, but it really is up to the competitions department to, yeah. to decide what what their way forward is. It's a tight timeline. Sazali, what are the players saying about all of this? Also, a number of players and coaches, as you said, for the story, and I think most are itching to return because I think they see that situation in Singapore is not as dire as in some countries, and the daily number of community cases is is not almost like out of control as, as it is in the UK, for example. But some do have concerns because. We have uh, players who have family you know, members. Young children. Ch- yeah, I saw yep. that from your article. They, they, they mm. have many of them have young children, you know, under the age of five, and you know, some of them even live with uh, elderly parents. We have coaches who live with their in-laws who are in their seventies. They admit, you know, it is at the back of their minds, you know, that that you know they don't want to endanger you know the people who are vulnerable in their families. Um, but having said that, you know, basically the, the response has been, you know. Two things. One is they all feel that it's really down to personal responsibility and, mm-hmm. and taking the, the proper measures, uh, taking care of your own hygiene, making sure the social distancing um, uh, measures are met. Number two, they, they, they all reiterated their faith in the government. Yeah. So they said, you know, basically when the green light is given by the authorities, they have full faith that the whole situation has been thought through and, and that is absolutely safe. So most of the, I, I think all of them, in fact, have no qualms about returning to training and playing. So yeah, I think they are all raring to go. Well, that's great to hear. And it's good that their concerns are also being heard. Well, Sazali, there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us and glad to have you both with us, Sazali and Nicole. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.